<laughs> Looks like this beach was a little too beach for you, Ken. If I weren't severely injured, I would beat you off right now, Ken. I'll beat you off with you any day, Ken. Hold my ice cream, Ken. All right, Ken. You're on. Let's beach off. Anyone who wants to beach him off has to beach me off first. I will beach both of you off at the same time. You don't even know how to beach yourself off. How are you going to beach both of us at the same time? That doesn't even make any sense. Okay, you can't Ken. Beach myself Ken, off. Ken come on, Ken. Nobody is going to beach anyone off. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. You can't handle the truth. King Kong ain't got My day. Let's take me for you. Let's drop fuckers. Everybody on good. Great, grand, wonderful. Welcome, everybody, to Gabe's Mojo Dojo Casa House. What's up? I'm Ken. This is my co host, Ken. And this is Raven haired social worker Barbie. And we are Become Podcasts, destroyer of 60 to 85 minutes of your commute or workout or whatever you do. When you listen to this podcast, this is Facing Off. Uh, uh, welcome, everybody. I'm not Ken. This is Nick. That's Gabe. I'm Alan. Welcome, Barbies. <laughs> I'm definitely that Alan. Um, yeah, welcome, oh, yeah. Barbies. Let's go party. Yeah. We're uh, we're podcast. We're going to take Barbie and Oppenheimer. I like how you had to clarify that we're a podcast. <laughs> all everybody is yeah. talking about. Hey, what you're listening to right now is not a song. It's a podcast. So if you wanted a song, go listen to John look Lennon. Up, look, <laughs> what? Look up John Lennon, Taylor Swift. There's so many artists you could be listening to right Ray now. Charles. But you chose us, and we chose to talk to you about Barbie and Oppenheimer because that's what everyone on the internet's talking about, and everyone that goes to the movies is talking about. And so now we're going to talk about it. But there is a link. We compare and contrast two movies, and we're going to compare and contrast these because these two movies are inextricably linked by their same-day release. Um, also, they star, star a central figure played by a former Batman movie foe who turns evil as part of a result of their own psychomedical malpractice. And in these movies, they're tasked with defending their homeland with and or from and sort of interdimensional discovery they themselves make in the first act of the film with the help of a curmudgeonly predecessor. Yeah, true. Killed it. And they both look <laughs> at the, the social and political constructs of the world and yeah. try to tear them down a little bit. Yeah. Um, anything you guys want to say to each other? <laughs> or me? Hey, Layla. Before hey, we start. <laughs> good seeing you. Looking good over there. <laughs> Sounding good, too. Wow, great. Okay. Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> All right. We're going to face you guys' scores off of one, against one another, so I thought maybe you'd want to like shake hands first digitally. No, we're good. Um, you gave him no parameters, things. so. It's not a competition <laughs> at all. That's not how we set it's like this a, up. It's like a weigh-in before a fight. Um, ding, ding. <laughs> We're going to uh, compare these on our one to seven scale. One is the worst. Seven is the best. Four is right in the middle. Um, there was definitely, a, a, what are the names of the bombs? Little man and the big one. Yeah, little boy. And little boy and big something. And she there was said. definitely a joke to be made there with the ones and sevens. I didn't do it though. Uh, one's bad. Seven's good. Four's in the middle. We're going to use our normal categories. Um, and we're going to start by talking 
about the legacy of these movies because they are new. Wow. Movies. That's fun. I love that. Talk about in legacy because typically we would talk about (laughs) it's lasting legacy over time. How does it resonate in the zeitgeist? Uh, Did it age well? So on and so forth. We don't know those things. They've only been out a little less than a month. So talk about their reception here in legacy um, and start with Barbie. Gabe. Okay. Um, well, in case you guys didn't know, Barbie just came out. Uh, pretty big deal. I think I honestly, and this isn't a personal opinion, I think that this is quite possibly a 7 out of 7 in terms of legacy because this is a huge, huge, huge cultural moment. It's coming at the time of the actors and writers strikes. Um, and it is making some serious money. Like it's going to cross a billion dollars this weekend. Um, as of the week that we are recording this. Um, and you know, first, you know, it's like the highest grossing movie by a female director. Um, it's a, I, I, it's just such a phenomenon, like going to the theater. So I'm someone who's a huge advocate of the theaters, but I'm also someone and Layla is very similar that hates bad theater decorum. And I will say it's really nice that everyone's going to the theater. I will also (laughs) say that this is encouraging a lot of bad theater behavior. Um, It was not fun having a girl like a young girl, talk to her mom the entire way through the movie. <laughs> um, it wasn't fun to have people requote things that were said as they were being said on the screen. But I do feel like Barbie has this like energy around it that kind of makes it a different experience than you would have at home. I might be a little bit more critical. So I think it's a big deal. I think it will be talked about. I don't think it's going to hold up Inter- I think there's a lot to criticize about this movie, it, 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 and there's a lot to feel weird about afterwards, um, but it, there's no way this is going away from the conversation, and this will definitely inspire a lot of other type of movies like this, and I mean, Greta Gerwig was already a boss, now like, she can do whatever she wants, Um and it was just a true success for that. So even though it would be like a legacy six for me, it's not like the most rewatchable movie I'd want to see. And I don't know how much I'll care about it over time. Um, it, yeah, it, I, it's, it's a seven. I just, it, this is such a cultural movie. Layla. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a seven. I think like, even just the conversations that this movie has sparked alone, like the amount of conversation that we see on like every platform right now from commentators on the other side to like female commentators, all of the above, like this is the talking point right now. This is one of the most talked about things that currently exists in the zeitgeist and it will continue to for women around the world. Like I think audience is really important. Targeted audience is really important. Um, I think this does something for women, not only just on the like production level in the sense of Greta being the first female director to ever make this much on a film, like it it opens 
up conversation and doors for women in Hollywood and the types of movies that can make big on the box office and bring people into theaters. Like this brought people into theaters. Like I saw people dressing up Mm -hmm. in Barbie styled clothing for two weeks prior. And I still see them currently, even after having seen the film. So yeah, this is going to, and this is about to, from the conversations we're seeing start like, you know, I don't know about rewatchability, but it's definitely going to spark a set of films to come from this. And this is already yeah. something that production companies are like trying to push forward, whether it's the American Girl doll or whether it's more Isn't Mattel Daniel stuff. Is Daniel Kaluuya doing Barney? Or... Oh, he's doing Barney, but it's like totally yeah. different. It's like supposed to be a really dark take. Yeah, it's like a dark take on it. Um, yeah, awesome. But yeah, this is going to spark so much more content. So like regardless of if people are sitting and rewatching this mo- movie specifically, it will be the catalyst for that. And people will always talk about it as such. Um, and then, oh, of right. course, the legacy just of this week, these weekends alone, like going to the theater and being in a packed theater for the first time in what feels like probably a decade for me. Like that's... I'm never going to forget like what that felt like, despite how I absolutely had the same issues that Gabe did. It still was remarkable to walk into a movie theater on a Tuesday evening and see thousands of people inside of this movie theater. It was insane. I've never seen something like it. Um, So so definitely a seven. All right. I do think this movie in particular will change some of the way that we do movies in general. Like going to the movies. Yeah. Um, at least I hope it does, because that was a, such an awesome reception. Talk about Oppenheimer, Layla, and the legacy there. Yeah. Did you have a bunch of people dressing up as nuclear physicists? <laughs> no, not quite the, the same. <laughs> okay. Not quite the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, even just thinking about, like, circles of friends and people that I knew, everyone I knew was going to see Barbie, and I couldn't say the same for Oppenheimer. I mean, plenty of people that I knew were going to see it, but... It was very stark in like contrast who was going to and who wasn't. And that was typically in majority a lot of my either non-film loving fans or like female friends that were like, what the fuck do I give a shit about another Nolan movie? Um, mm. So I think the reception, at least within my own circles, because I can't speak for everyone, was very different for the two movies. I think... Oppenheimer is such a different conversation around legacy because I think Oppenheimer for me is as opposed to the cultural zeitgeist conversation is much more about film and like what it means for film and the impact it's going to have on film and just where it stands in the history of filmmaking, I think, and the feat that it is in a lot of ways. Um, So I just think it's a very different conversation, but I also want to give it a very high score for its like own reasons that it's going to have such a high and important legacy. Um, I think a lot of the time we talk about controversy a little bit around movies and legacy sometimes. And I know that there are some conversations right now around Oppenheimer and what wasn't included in the film and some feelings people have around that. And I think it's really interesting. I, I would say like the two main tweets that I've seen that like stuck with me, one being, wow, a movie about the bomb dropped on Japan and no Japanese people were in the film. And then another one was um, yeah. a video I saw of an indigenous woman whose um, grandmother lived on on the land that this happened, or Los, like next to Los Alamos. And so, you know, I think those conversations are really interesting. I think I will say just off the bat, my take on all of this is there was a point to this movie. And I think the political conversation around the power of science and in power and 
and in the politics of America and around the world is really important. And I think that that's the conversation he was trying to say, not to say that those movies shouldn't also be made and that I don't I I absolutely think there was probably room for a scene with indigenous folks to be included in this movie but when it comes to like a tweet about you know Japanese individuals etc like I that was not the purpose of this film the purpose of this film was to follow the progression of uh, you know science and innovation and what that means for our country and for the world so I think I think because I think I think even with those conversations, I've always said this in Legacy, negative conversation is still a part of Legacy. To me, people will always talk about these things. I'm still going to give it a seven for its own, for what it's done. I'll leave it there because now I'm ranting. <laughs> yeah, just on those last few points about the, um, you know, like co- quote unquote controversy, I, I do think that there was room in it to have some of the Native American populations there. Just talking about like, going to Los Alamos, you know? Um, but I, I don't know. I, the, the Japanese part of it for me was like, that's definitely not the purpose of the movie. And and a lot of the views of in the movie are like myopic and it's just in his perspective, like everything, like we'll talk about it later, but like everything in color is, is subjective for his life. And a lot of what really haunted him was the the fact that he didn't he made this thing and so far away from where he made this thing, it caused so much destruction and so much death. And like the removal of that part of it, I think, is incredibly like important. Um and, and it would just not be it would feel more like a traditional biopic if they did handle the other side of it. Um, but you know, it, totally okay to not be okay with that. I, I agree with you. I think that the, the, it, it is crazy, even though it's a Christopher Nolan movie, which we know he's just so good at making these big, big movies. And he's made a lot of very, very popular high grossing movies. Like the fact that he could get so many people into the theater to watch a three hour drama is like absolutely incredible. It made some serious money. Um, you know, the the Barbie team put like $165 million into marketing alone, whereas like Oppenheimer didn't really have to, and it still made a lot of money. So it actually doesn't need to recoup as much. Um, and it... I think that the cultural I think that the cultural moment is huge with Barbie, but I think that the cultural conversation is bigger with Oppenheimer. And I think especially in the film world, like the way that this is enraptured audiences and the way that we've we've always had a dev- like everyone likes Christopher Nolan's movies, but some people love them and some people are like, "Yeah, it was good." It was it was a Christopher Nolan movie. I think this is one of the first ones. Like, Dunkirk was really good, but it was such mm-hmm. a Christopher Nolan movie. This is so, like, accessible to critics. Um, that I think this will be a really big deal. I can guarantee that it will be a f- the front runner for a lot of different Oscars um, come next year. Yeah. Um, and I-, I think that, you know, Christopher Nolan talked about how people, like, walked out devastated. And I think that it's true. Like this had a huge impact on it. Um, 
I don't know what will happen in a few years. So I, I, I'm at like a 6.5, <laughs> but I do think this is a big deal movie, and I think it will be for a while. For sure. All right. Barbie narrowly edges out Oppenheimer in that category. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about the originality and continue to kind of talk about these intangible mm. parts of these movies. Um, <clears throat> did Oppenheimer need to be made, Layla? Yeah. Was it original? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, Elaborate. And I also give a score. So. Yeah, I will, I'll try to do that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that there's so many film, like there's so many war movies out there. And I think there's so many yeah. movies that, you know, talk about war, but they all, what they love to do because of the effects and, and the, the dramatic, the dramaticism of all of it is to like really see, show us the war. And it's, mm this is so special because it gives us a little bit more insight into the human part of it all and the thought process yeah. behind it all. And, and again, the science behind it all and the struggle. And I, and I'm so appreciative of that because I think it's something that we don't really dive deeply into, like on that kind of smaller level where we focus on one specific person or one specific moment or thing. We just look at wars pretty broadly, I think in a lot of filmmaking, um, so that feels really cool and really awesome. Um, I think the way that it was done is, and that's like particularly why I love this movie so much. Historical films are awesome and I love them, but typically they are like biopics and they are to a mm-hmm. T like exactly how the moment happened or they try to portray that. And this was just such a human version of it. It felt like, like to be able to just kind of spend scenes paying attention to his emotions and where he was at and to kind of through the filmmaking, see that was such a original and special way to approach something so important. And I think it really did impact the way I felt while watching it. And I, you know, I think he reinvented how we can look at historical films. And I think that's what makes it so incredibly original. Um, So I'll, I think I'll just leave it there for now. I'll let Gabe talk. I'm going to give it a seven. <laughs> oh, wow. Seven in originality. Yeah. All right. I'm yeah. I, um, I totally agree with it, with a lot of what Layla said. I also, I, there's a version of this movie that is less interesting and less for impactful. Sure. And I think of movies like, in no offense to these movies, because they're actually, they're solid movies. They're just not things that I would ever really think about beyond the fact that I'm thinking about them right now for comparison's sake. Um, Like Hidden Figures, you know? Like a really important movie, but not that interesting because there's nothing really creative about it. It's kind of just telling the history with a little bit of drama in it. You are so right, Layla, that like the way that he... I think he gets a little more technical than he needs to with the black and white and color stuff. And it actually took me, even though I read about it, like it took me a good amount of time to understand what was going on with that. Oh, I just think that there was this creative focus on the human, on, on, on the human that is J. Robert Oppenheimer yeah. and the people around him and the use of, I'll get to it in actoring and spectacularity, but the use of the actors, at least for originality's sake, is really clever. Yeah. Um, and... There is a lot of thought that goes into this. And from what I understand, it is, you know, pretty historically accurate and follows a lot of the book that he adapted from it, um, the American Prophet or something. Yeah. Um, Have you seen his uh, grandson's comments? I'm sure you have. 
No. So nothing, nothing. Yeah. Not to say that you're wrong. I I do think it is incredibly accurate, but he apparently is very, very, very upset about the Apple scene because that never happened apparently. And he's like, there is like other people have talked about that. Yeah. He's, but he's just like, that's like a serious accusation. And how dare you? (laughs) I mean, dude, he was like an erratic person and also grandson, like, very long time before you were born. So shut the fuck up. You know, like no, the point is no one knows. And also it's a movie. Um, and the point is actually him throwing out the apple, not like the act of doing that. But another part of it, I just, I, I really think, and Christopher Nolan is galaxy brain type writer. Right. In terms of his stories, but there's not a lot more there, you know? There's just, like, a lot of, like, wild ideas that will blow your mind. I think that he... This is one of his most impressive movies um, in terms of the writing. And not necessarily the dialogue, just the how he goes about this Mm -hmm. and how he depicts this character and how you feel like you're inside the mind of this character. Mm -hmm. But also, frustratingly, like, outside of the mind of the character. Um it's really brilliant for what it is. I'm going to give it a six. Um, I just like, you know, like, <laughs> like a, a seven for me with Christopher Nolan is like inception. Um, because I really do care about like how creative and how different these movies are. But I, I think this stands out a lot with biopics. Totally. Okay. And, and Layla, can you talk about Barbie's originality? Did her, did it need to be made? Um, go. <laughs> go. Three, two, one, go. Um, yeah. Of, I mean, obviously, I think the the crowds and crowds of people that are, you know, losing their minds over this movie are a testament to the fact that, you know, women, girls, lots of men needed this movie. It was so much fun. It was so silly. I needed a silly movie in my life. And it felt just freeing to just enjoy it for what it was. And to not take something so seriously. And I enjoyed the crap out of that. I think I have to I have to say this because it's not entirely original because life size exists. And for my generation of women, life size was everything when we were young. Uh, Mm. You know, Tyra Banks perfected the I'm in the real world and have to be a secretary now. And I fake type on this computer and don't know what I'm doing. So um Life size certainly like paved a way for a lot of the ideas I think that happen in this movie. Um, but I think, you know, there are so many things in my opinion that could have been really bad about this that I ended up really enjoying. And I think Greta approached it in such a fun way. I think she knew her audience. I think she approached it with like humor that was going to fit the individuals that were majority coming out to this, which was millennials. And then she also approached it in a way that like, every generation was going to be able to pick something from this movie and made it very human and found a way to make it human across the board. Um, And I think, you know, it's always a little bit fun when something is so satirical and it forces so much conversation and it makes so many people angry um, to the point of they don't even realize they're almost making fun of themselves when they get that angry. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it a six just because I do think that there has been stuff before it that was very that obviously led the way. And I think that Greta took a lot of inspiration from a lot of comedians that she loves and SNL and (laughs) a lot of other things. Um, So I don't think it's like wholly original, but I do think it's incredibly up there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I totally agree with that. I also, you know, it, it's really for me, the details in the movie, there's such uh-huh. a close attention to details yeah, that I just sure. absolutely appreciate that. And I'm not surprised by that with Greta and Noah Baumbach. I am like, Overall, you know, outside of it, just like slightly not as pumped about Greta Gerwig because she's almost like a corporate shell right now with this. Like it, it, it or shill, shill, uh, shill. But like, I'm still at the same time. Like this is a person who cares about movies. I think that the references that she uses, it comes from a place of like deeply caring about them and wanting to build off of them and knowing that, you know, we are what we are because of the generations before and the things that were created before. Um, but we're able to progress. Like, I, I think that came across really well. And I, I, again, the details of everything was like really, really, really well handled, um, creatively. I, I also, you know, it's the, the feminist message in it is, a little watered down from what it could be, you know, outside of like a Mattel produced movie. But I don't know how many movies I've seen that have a speech like America Ferreira's. And I don't necessarily think America Ferreira's speech is like the, like a revolutionary speech. And I'm sure for a lot of women who watched it were like, yeah, this is great, but also like, duh. But at the same time, like, it gets credit for being like one of the first ones to really do that. And it really works. And it doesn't feel like they tried too hard to insert a lot of the messaging. There are moments where it does really feel like there's some insertion of it, but it's all so sarcastic that it kind of works overall. Um, I, I, and so it, it gets credit for both of those things. Like first for being the one to do that. And second for like, how careful attention to detail they were in a movie that wouldn't ordinarily be like that. So it's like totally different from the, the typical adaptation like that. Um, I knock it only slightly kind of on Layla's point because I just don't find the story and where it goes to be that clever. And I think I've seen it a lot before, but I'm still like, I'm at like a 5.5, I think in originality. Layla, how do you feel about the use of this movie as a vehicle for those really weighted messages about feminism and you know, the world at large? It's the really, zeitgeist. Zeitgeist counters at four, by the way. It's really interesting because I, I feel like for me personally, my favorite my favorite messaging that came through from the movie, as much as I like of course was dying with the other women in the room when there was jokes about cellulite and all of these things, whatever. I mean, when when she like every moment that she has a very human interaction with another woman, like when she sits on the bench and she looks at the older woman and Mm -hmm. when she's crying for the first time and when she cries with the maker of Barbie, like the humanity of all of that is my favorite part of this movie. Like the reminder that being human is really special and that, you know, for both men and women, the ability to experience it is really special. And I think one of my favorite parts of this is that like in the sense of people having these conversations around matriarchy and like, is that better? And are we actually fighting for like matriarchy over patriarchy or whatever, which has now become the conversation in so many circles. I think what is really special about what they're trying to say here is that in a woman's mind and in a woman's world, everyone gets to be human, including men. 
And yeah. the idea is that, you know, we don't want men in the sense of Ken, we don't want men to just feel like they need to like make themselves a certain way to attract a woman. Like they are independently important on their own and they have ideas and they have uh, self-importance outside of trying to attract a woman or they're able to cry or they're able to experience emotion. So I think overarchingly, my favorite part of this movie is that it's just about being human as opposed to just all of the feminine and like, all those conversations around the politics of everything because like that. Yes, that's, that's the reality of being a woman and we find it funny and it's important for us to have movies like this, but I don't necessarily want that overarching like important point to be missed while people are watching this movie because they're so bogged down by the like feminine agenda or whatever the feminist agenda. Um, But I, I will say that like to your point about her speech that she gives, it's already become a trend like all over the internet for people to mash together different versions of that speech that have existed in film. Like I'm constantly Mm. seeing um, Saoirse in little women and her speech about a woman is more Mm. than this. And a woman is this, you know, and there's so many small moments in movies that do exist like this. And I love that it's bringing them all together now. And I love that people are like making that a point to show that to the world that we've been saying this for so long and we've been crying this out for so long and we're happy that we're finally here and there are so many men in the world watching and, and listening. Very well, well spoken. Uh, can I add just one thing? No, you actually can't. Oh, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. No, it's, it's just that while it makes me feel icky that there is a corporate element to this with like Mattel, like to sell more dolls, it, to answer your question, Nick, it's like, yeah, this is the right vehicle to do that because that's how you get, reach a lot of mass, like yeah. the the masses totally. is by putting something like that in here. Even if it's, you know, being mixed up, how much of an agenda, quote unquote, it has. Yeah, right. Totally. But yeah, I agree, Layla. All right. So we've... That'll we, be the one time we agree ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, audience. It'll never happen again. So we have... Um, I messed my math up there. Okay. So we talked about kind of the intangible parts of this movie, things that relate to the zeitgeist. Zeitgeist counters at five. Um, let's talk about the actual elements of the film itself, starting with how it looked oh, wow. to your eyeballs. Um, oh, wow. <clears throat> so our eye candy category, we're going to talk about how the movie looked, were the visuals in the movie, um, for example, making things that, Making things black and white versus color, um, you know, important and used in a th- uh, thematically um, uh, you know important way um, or not. Um, and um, to Gabe's point from earlier, attention to detail uh, visually would be in this category as well. So, eye candy, Barbie, Layla. Um, yeah, I I mean. This movie is so fun. It's so much fun. And I think for you could not have approached this movie without genuine set pieces and genuine like crew and people working on set creating what is life size versions of the things that we we women know intimately. I think that's important to say all of us played with these Barbie toys. All of us knew every single little piece that came with our sets intimately and they gave they're all in making these sets. Like it is truly the, as you said, Gabe, the detail is remarkable. Um, I was watching an interview 
with the cast and the, and they were talk they were all unanimous unanimously talking about how this was the first time in a long time they'd been on a set where the crew really had so much fun like building these sets putting them together moving them about playing with them like they just got to be carpenters and you know true like hands-on makers again and i love that and it and it really presents That's itself cool. throughout the movie um Obviously, just like the coloring is necessary. Barbie's always been like hyper like polarized in color. So I think all of that's really fun, too. I think like. I don't know. I mean, I think that there are film. We talk about this a lot. I think there are films where visuals play like a role in the way that you experience the movie. And I think that certainly happens here. But I wouldn't necessarily say that with like the filming itself, like the visual filming. Um, I think really the only part for me particularly that was like incredible was the sets and the costuming and all of that. Um, but I don't think the actual filming itself or the editing necessarily like wowed me, especially in comparison to a film like what we're about to talk about. So um I think I'll leave it there and I will give it a five because I do think it's really fun and beautiful, but I don't think it's like, as far as visual, not the most amazing in the world. Hmm. Yeah. Gabriel? Yeah. I mean, obviously production design, fucking phenomenal across the board, just really, really well put together. I, I was reading something about how you can like, really understand the geography of Barbie land. Like, and they lay that out for you very well. Like, you know where everything is, you know where they're going. Um, I think they got really creative with like the journey. It, it felt, it felt like there was this nice mix of the movies that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach love and have been in because like their journey to Venice and, and back very Wes Anderson. I know I was, and that. you know Noah Baumbach like yeah. wrote a lot of the really great Wes Anderson ones, and it especially felt like Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, yeah, which is my favorite sure. that he did. And then Greta Gerwig, you know, there's this understanding of like dance that she has, and I know she had like really like good choreographers, and all the extras in the movie are dancers. Um, but it's clear that she really likes musicals and really likes like Fred Astaire movies. And I think, you know, from watching like Francis Ha, there was like this love for the dance element. And so I think like there's a lot of scenes where the blocking, like what the characters are doing in the background and where they're going is really remarkable. And it's like, you have to be a very, very, very good director to do what she does in a lot of scenes because there's no missed moment in the background. Um, and it's cool that like how the dolls move and everything is like, it's so precise. Um, you get such good physical acting from all the actors in it. Um, I agree. I, besides the sequence where the Kens are like having like a musical, like dance off, <laughs> well, not really a dance off cause they're together in harmony in that moment. But when it becomes <laughs> that like very like Fred Astaire scene, I think the, the camera work together is really good. But everything in the real world looks, like, bad to me. Like, it looks, like, too commercialized and bad. Like, I like the boardroom setup, but everything in the real world just, like, felt really like a, like a, I don't know, like some, like, over-budgeted movie that's too shiny. Um, so I'm going to give it a five as well. 
there's a lot to remember from it, and I think that will come from the production design and costuming and like the way that the characters move about. Keep talking about Oppenheimer, Gabe. Oh, man. Oppenheimer. Oh, man. Well, first of all, oh, man. I'm going to flex on everyone that I saw this in 70mm IMAX. Um, it's really unfortunate that not everyone can see it that way. I think it's really awesome that a lot of people are going out to see 70mm, and it certainly makes a difference. But, I mean... <laughs> but you're better. No, no, no. It's just that <laughs> IMAX, I mean... It is. He's one of the only directors who shoots on IMAX, yeah. and he's yeah. literally the only director that does 70 millimeter yeah. at IMAX. And it's obnoxious as hell, and it doesn't always work. The formatting, like in the movie, like the aspect ratio changed a lot. But man, having the IMAX theater be so large vertically is really, 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 really important for this movie because there's a lot of shots of like the characters, and it's like face on or like body on like you're looking at their like full body body with it and there's a lot to it so you get a lot of the emotions and then when the explosion like when you get to the explosive scenes it's like really important that it's vertically large um (laughs) and and again like also like i love dolby theaters more than imax but like the sound like having it be very very loud sonically is extremely important because score is so much of this movie and the explosion and 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 other sounds are so important to it so i mean i don't know how i would feel had i not seen it um had i not seen it in that kind of (laughs) setting despite me not even like really liking the imax 70 millimeter theater because it's on the universal studio like lot so you ha- which is a theme park and so you have to yeah. park where the theme park parking is yeah. and then you pay $30 and then you go to the theater and they give you $25 back but like in cash <laughs> instead of on that card that you just swiped and then also the Seems seats really are extremely close together so like it, it still was I would only do this for <laughs> Christopher Nolan it was remarkable to see it and while I don't think at every moment it's like the best visual movie I've ever seen, it's certainly it's it's just so much better than what a biopic would look like from anyone else. And this man cares so fucking much about what we are seeing. And there's such an appreciation for cinema that like it's got to be a seven just in terms of like. It's a drama, it's a and feat. it is a it's fucking a spectacle. Yeah, <laughs> it's a feat. It's a feat. Yeah, I mean, it's just masterful. Honestly, I yeah. This there are two categories that we're going to talk about that particularly change in the sense of originality and how he changed how I see biopics. This is one of them, and. Mm-hmm this changed the game and this is going to change the conversation around biopics entirely for me. And I think for all film lovers, you know, there is potential here to do something really big and to make meaning out of these moments in history, a deeper meaning than what we've gotten out of biopics and historical dramas before. And that entirely comes from those shots you're talking about, Gabe, those close in shots of individuals and their faces and their emotions and what they're feeling. And, really getting to feel like you're experiencing what's happening in that moment of history through these people's eyes because you're seeing them so intimately because of the visualization of these people. And 
that is just remarkable and truly masterful. Like I, you know, as much as like I can appreciate a Nolan movie, this was it for me. Like this was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm I'm behind him now. Like I get it now yeah. because he took a genre that I absolutely love and took it to a place that I never knew that it could ever go and that I didn't know I needed. And that's that is a seven like that's the point right that's what we want these categories to do to push the boundaries to to give us something new and to to see film in a different way and he absolutely did that with his visuals in this movie i could knock it slightly just because (laughs) the editing is and and maybe this is more for spectacularity but the editing is extremely obnoxious in this movie at times and there are scenes that i want to be able to see more there are characters i want to see more of like what's going on with them. And it cuts very, very frequently. There's a couple scenes that feel like Bohemian Rhapsody level cutting um, where people are talking to each other. But I mean, it's like if Bohemian Rhapsody cut that much and also looked good in every frame instead of, that's interesting. I don't know if I felt it as intensely as you did. Cause I do feel like, and this will go into a different category, so I won't talk too much about it, but I do feel like the editing kept me very alert with in a very long yeah, yeah. movie so i feel like that also helped me stay engaged <laughs> it, was like I, it was more like i just like want to sit in a scene visually for a yeah, lot it was longer just super fair. And it, just, it was going too quickly like there's so much in excuse me in uh new mexico and it and it new mexico is fucking gorgeous if you film it that way and it was but it was just like they so quickly moved through those scenes um yeah I can see that, like when you say it, but in the moment, I never know. Yeah, exactly. It's still seven. I'm just like, if I could knock him even slightly, maybe he had a purpose for it. Same with it was to keep Layla engaged. That's what it was. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Same with some of the things. Maybe, maybe Greta intended for the real world to look fake. Yeah, I mean that's totally fair. It just felt like an over. We don't know these things. We just talk about them on this thing that we call a podcast. What about, what did you say? We're not experts. We're not experts. But the actors in these movies are experts at playing characters. Wow. Quite the transition. Which we call acting, or on this podcast, actoring, because we also talk about the um, roles of the director and writer and so on and so forth. Uh, Let's talk about actoring for let's continue on Oppenheimer and have Layla go. Wow. Yeah. Um, Gabe, you had alluded (laughs) to the cast. No, I wasn't. Um, (laughs) You had alluded to the cast earlier. I mean, it's this cast is remarkable. I mean, I've seen so many really, really fun interviews of all of them during, during their press tour. And they always say, they yeah when they could they always say it so eloquently they're always just like this is like the heavy hitters of generations and it's so true and it's so yeah. it's so fun to watch them all act against back. against each other it's so <laughs> it's um it's so great they're yeah. incredible i i i love the performances i think there are certainly understandable criticisms i think that come with florence Pugh's character and the writing of her character and I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it quite yet. I'm still processing it a little bit. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you I think mean obviously Barbie. <laughs> um, well, it's just interesting, right? Cause it's like, you know, she plays, 
in my opinion, a pretty vital role in understanding him and, and yeah. you know, where his yeah. head was and totally. all of that. I, he, she's such an important role. But I do think there certainly are moments where I kept thinking to myself while it was happening, like, why are we reducing it down to these moments, these particular yeah. moments? And why is it so, so, so sexualized? Because like titties, dude. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so that's my question, though. Like, a day like this, that really need to happen? Um, Ask the so, male you know, I think in that sense, she's probably the one. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, that's the one like big. That's the one big thing that I think I would argue I had a little bit of a hard time with, like role wise and how they played out those roles. I think everyone else is really spectacular. I think Matt Damon's comedic relief throughout the movie is nice and it's a good breath of fresh air because it really is so heavy most of the time and obviously um you know Killian is like I I can't even it's remarkable I mean I've always loved him so much I think he's a remarkable actor but the subtlety with which he plays Oppenheimer is stunning to me like the the way in which it's just about these visualizations of how he's processing things in his mind and you see it happening through the like subtle expressions that Killian's working with. And it's, it's moving. It's so powerful. Like I I love a subtle dramatic performance and he just knocks it out of the park. Um, Yeah. And I think everybody else supporting Robert Downey, like it's all just, they all bring so much to this movie in different ways and it all came together so cohesively and I think we talk a lot on this pod about huge casts like this and how they don't always play really well off of each other but I feel like the writing of this movie and Nolan really was like okay each of you plays a very different space here and each of you is bringing something to the table that this movie needs and you're gonna rock that part of it and they each did their part and they carried it so well Um, so outside of like you know, there are movies where all I can talk about is the acting and I'm like, it's the greatest acting I've ever seen. I don't I don't necessarily think that's how I feel about this movie. So I'm going to go with a six. But I do think everyone is just incredible. Totally agree. I I think, you know, if we could just talk about like the how many big actors are in this movie. It is it's distracting. But like in this category, I would just talk about how there is a purpose to it because no one is trying to let us know that each of these people were extremely important and they shouldn't be reduced down to actors that we don't know. I guess I, I, I'm assuming that's the point there. It is really like confusing which actors get a longer period of time and which ones don't. Like I was like, like spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but until the end, I was like, wait, was Rami Malek just in it just to, like, not talk? Because yeah. that would be hilarious. Um, but there's also just, like, certain actors got, like, way bigger parts than I expected. And I would say out of those, I was so surprisingly – or I was so pleasantly surprised by David Krumholtz, who plays uh, Robbie. Um he is so good in this movie, and, like, I don't think anyone ever talks about David Krumholtz, because, like, why would you? But, like, most of us will know <laughs> who he is. They'll be like, oh, that guy kind of looks like Jake Johnson. Um, but he is he has some, like, emotionally awesome scenes, and I also think he brings in some of the comedy as well. Yeah. Um, Matt Damon not only being comedic, but, like, really 
like portraying how General Rose was like so important to that. He had to be like headstrong and very assertive and very pushy because this was such a big project for him. Um, I think I, I don't know if anyone's doing like the best acting I've ever seen, but I will say that Robert Downey Jr. gets pretty close to it at times. I I've always found RDJ to be great. Like who doesn't love him? But this is the first time where I'm like, oh yeah, actually this guy is like one of our best actors. Like Tony Stark is fucking great, but what he does with Strauss is just unbelievable at times. He's it's such good face acting. Yeah. Um, and then, I, like a couple other small ones, I I just like thought about it while I was watching it. But I think Jason Clark is one of the actors that we forget is from an, another country that just always nails his fucking accent. I don't think I've ever watched a Jason Clark movie and realized that he could be Australian. And in fact, if he <laughs> were to speak in an Australian accent, like his natural accent, I would think he was doing accent work for a movie. Because uh, he's I've, always American. I've forgotten multiple times that he's Australian. It's fucking nuts. This is like the third time I've been reminded he's Australian. Um, lastly... I, it's ridiculous. Um, lastly, I, I just, to, it's so, imp- like, hard to carry a three-hour movie of this much importance and of this much, like, there's so much movement happening in terms of, like, the story is just chugging along. And Killian Murphy holds it for the entire thing. Hold and it. he is insane. And I think it's one of those ones, you're right. It's su- like we love subtle acting. Um, and I always appreciate the subtle actor who's up for best actor over the really showy one. But like, I really hope it doesn't go like forgotten. Like, people might talk about how good this movie is, but it doesn't go forgotten that like. Yeah, that's fair. I would have never expected Killian Murphy to have a performance like this. And I don't think there are many actors out there that could have done a performance like this. And God, no. he's so fucking good and so committed to the role. It's, it's unbelievable. And I, I do, I also kind of feel that way at times about Emily Blunt. And then half of the time I don't, but I think that yeah, I felt it the would same have been way. nice to have I, a movie <laughs> about Kitty and him because I think that from what I've been learning about Kitty, she was like fucking mean as shit. Everyone hated her. And she, but she was like stern and strict and like such a power force. And like for her to be married three times before him and then be with him for so long through all these like crazy things. Like I almost want that movie, even though we got so much in this. So I feel that way uh, about both the female characters like deeply. And I know that that's like not shocking with a Nolan movie with like a predominantly male audience, but like. They both are fascinating, and I did not get nearly enough of either of them. I will actually just like two things that I hated acting wise, (laughs) and then we can move on. (laughs) Man, fucking Kenneth Branagh, cut it out, man. Just use your fucking normal voice for one movie. I'm so sick of hearing him do Eastern European accents or like weird Belgian accents. Like, Kenneth, we get it, man. You were a theater bro. Like, we're done. We're done. We're done. If you're going to do an accent, do it like Benny Safdie did, which was surprising and definitely odd. But 
it just we're done with you. And then also, I think it's because we watch Tiptoes. I'm just kind of out on Gary Oldman right now. And I think that Gary Oldman is wild and he's a fantastic actor. But the Truman scene, I almost wanted to like. President Gary it, it, Such a good movie had such a scene that I was like, nah, fuck this scene. I know in real life he did say something along those lines. But I was like, this is so tongue-in-cheek, like, point at the camera. Wow, this guy was such a piece of shit. And it just feels like like we didn't need this goddamn cameo. Um, Anyways, that's the angry portion of this. Everything else actoring was very good. I'm at a six, but... I, I like I could it's like pretty close to a seven. I, I really hope the best for Killian and RDJ. Like if they if they aren't front runners, I'd be if RDJ is not the front runner for best supporting actor. I, I think I'll be pretty fucking pissed. I agree. Yeah, that makes sense. What was your score? Oh, Josh Hartnett was great, too. Yeah, Josh Hartnett was great. I'm so ready for the Hartnett renaissance. <laughs> Hartnett renaissance. Uh, go, go ahead, Layla. Talk about Barbie and actress. Go ahead, hon. Yeah. Um, so much fun. Speaking of Australians, Margot, I mean, just, she's just such a, she's just absolutely one of, and I'm not saying this necessarily because of specifically this performance, but she truly is just like currently top tier of young female actors out there. She's just remarkable. Yeah. I absolutely love her. I love everything that she does. I don't think she can do wrong. Um, I love the earnestness that she portrays in this movie. I think she carries herself like a, you know, naive doll incredibly well. I think her physical acting is great. I think she, I think she does exactly what she's supposed to do as Barbie. And I think she kills it. Um, what I think is really great about this movie is all of the other characters. I think (laughs) she, she's, she's so perfect in what she does. And it's so like nice and simple and perfect that it allows for so much chaos to be happening behind her. And it's so great. Um, Ryan Gosling should, as we've said before, just continue to do comedy for the rest of time. He is, I think he's the funniest man. alive. (laughs) He (laughs) is so funny. He is so unbelievably insanely funny in this movie he's i i can't believe he just wasn't laughing at himself the whole movie like i do feel like there are moments where he looks like he's gonna break like he kind of looks like he's gonna break the whole time he's singing push (laughs) um but in the best way right like one of my favorite things on snl is when i watch them start to break character because they're just cracking themselves up and i feel like he's got a slight amount of that going on in the movie um yeah, I like I like everybody. I think they all did such a good job. I really, really enjoyed it. I think, um, you know, there's like one or two of the Barbies that I think I didn't need. And I think that maybe they could have been better characters. I think that like there ended up being so many of them that I think some of them got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Like sure. there's the one Barbie that is from Sex Education that was cast solely because everyone thinks there's she like looks like Margot Robbie. actors from Sex Education for some reason. I know. I can't think the whole yeah. movie um but she was quite literally cast as a joke because margot and greta were like everyone mm. says that she's like my twin so we should cast her um which you know cutesy but she doesn't play a super great role her performance isn't anything remarkable and i just feel like you know i have I, you know and i'm not i don't even want to get into like a big conversation about it but there are women out there that are like there could have been a little bit of better representation within the barbies like there's yeah. like one south asian barbie but like there could have been more like representation around that. And um, 
they chose to just do another like white Barbie that didn't like really provide much to the movie. So I think that like there, there could have been a little bit more intentionality with each individual Barbie and how they contribute in the same vein of like with Oppenheimer, each person had this very vital role that participated in the movie. I think there are a certain amount of people in this movie that didn't really add anything to it. Um, But outside of that, all of the main people just absolutely kill it and I have so much fun and I cried and I laughed and I enjoyed myself and I think it's just a good time so I'm gonna give it a 5.5 nice yeah it's interesting I actually kind of from from like reading the critic responses and like how we were talking about it I kind of didn't expect this movie to be fully sarcastic in like almost (laughs) every single moment so it's like hard to, you know, judge them. I mean, I could, I, I could more critique it, like, or I, I guess like rate it based on comedies, because there's a lot of comedic acting outside of Margot Robbie, who I think across the board is just so she's so good at acting. Also, it is just wild to think about like, can you imagine being so incredibly perfect looking that you could be cast as Barbie as Barbie. Like and you it have works to be perfectly. the pinnacle of like human, human evolution, but also like science. Cause I'm, I'm sure, you know, get, get your work done. That's fine to do, but I'm sure she's not like all natural. Um, Maybe. and now I sound like a pig. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this one took also, a turn. <laughs> yeah, that one took a turn. Sometimes I just need to cut myself off on a thought. Uh, but, She's tremendous in this. I I agree with each of those scenes that, like, (laughs) she really pulls this movie together. I think there's a lot of really good physical acting, of course. Um, She's just great. And she's funny. And she's just, like, she's perfect. Ryan, it is kind of weird to leave. I mean, the movie is very interested in Ken. But it is kind of weird to leave the movie mostly thinking about the male character. (laughs) But I just think that Ryan, but it was purposeful and also, if you're going to, it's the same thing as like that joke about like, you know, can't cast Margot Robbie for this kind of point here. Like, you casted Ryan Gosling, I'm going to be obsessed because this is pinnacle comedy, uh, Ryan Gosling. I think like not only everything that he says I can't take seriously or the way he looks, but like just his eye movements and the way he walks around and dances. <laughs> is so fucking funny. The whole scene where they go into the real world and he's like in the school and then he's walking around Century <laughs> City, which was surreal to see Watch the movie it in, in Century, Century City. City yeah. Um, Cause that's where I go and see everything. I was like, yeah. wow, so random. The but, whole, the whole audience was just snickering the whole yeah. thing. We're talking about that. <laughs> it now. was, it was it ridiculous. It was a weird meta thing that happened. Yeah. It, very meta. Um, I actually, when I was watching it, I thought that they changed the the <laughs> location, and then I was like, "Oh, that wouldn't make sense if it was Chicago because she comes out in like Venice." Um, <laughs> but Jesus, <laughs> Ryan Gosling in that scene where he's walking around learning about the patriarchy <laughs> is just like he didn't have to say anything. His physical comedy is so fucking good. It's he so is, good. I like. I find it a little weird given the type of movie that it is to think about Oscars for this movie in the acting categories. But I would think that Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie like have a very strong case. I'd be kind of shocked if they weren't, but I absolutely probably like, take Ryan Gosling shouldn't win, but Oh, definitely like Ryan Gosling should win, but she, he should absolutely be nominated. It is such a full performance. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think that a lot of people are a little tired of Will Ferrell, but it was kind of nice to get like a purely Will, Will Ferrell role again. It felt, felt like a little bit like a throwback. Like elf. It was nice. Yeah. It was like Elf and like the prison Get Hard one. Like it was like a good combination. The get of both. Hard He's one. He's very funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, also, like Kingsley Benadire is one of like the great actors out right now and he's really blowing up, although his show Secret Invasion was not very good. He he's was tremendous in it. it. Um, he's really fucking funny. I kind of want to see him do more comedic roles. Like I found him very funny in this movie. Okay, Nick didn't like any of the other Kens. I didn't. That's fine. I um, didn't like Kingsley. I didn't like Simu. I'm sorry. I did really like... I liked Simu. I think a lot of people didn't like Simu, but I, I thought he was great. I, I did... Like, I think Kate McKinnon <laughs> was so perfectly casted in this movie, and, like, yeah. all her scenes were really great. I found it funny with, like, a couple couple performances that, like, kind of blew me away at, at a technical level. So, I'm, I'm at a five. I think it's above average for... Uh, Oh, also, I, I like I, I've never cared about America Ferrera, and I, I thought she was wonderful. Oh, I've always loved I was her. gonna make you guys talk yeah. about her. I'm so happy I, she's like had her little. She's getting her own. I was I was gonna try to do a play on Renaissance, American but it was Ferrera not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just Ferrera wasn't gonna happen. America yeah, um, yeah, I think, but go. I think that it's a lovely. I think it's a lovely trying. casting though, because I think for. W- again millennial women particularly like she did yeah. hold she was around our time like yeah. sisterhood of the traveling pants and got to kick it up and all of that stuff so to like bring her back in kind of this like she's in this depressive moment where she feels lost and she needs guidance again like just felt like she was the she was all of us you know that narrator role um so it was like perfect perfect casting yeah all right home stretch let's talk about <laughs> How spectacular these films were. Were you engaged the whole time? Were you talking to your mom or whoever was sitting next to you the whole time and bothering Gabe? Um, Were you hollering in the middle of the film um, as they were in my showing of Barbie? But I don't mind that as much as Gabe. Um, Talk about that, Layla, with Barbie. Um, I'm going to like point to you for an extended period of time before I call on you to talk so you don't surprise me. To give me, me the heads up. Yeah, I, for some reason, every time you do, I always think it's going to go to Gabe, and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I had That's so much. I'm the Alan of the group. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had so much fun watching this movie. I think, you know, I went into it with pretty much no expectations like I didn't go into it thinking this is gonna like there were a lot of women I knew that were like Barbie's gonna rock my world I'm so excited and I just was like excited to see it and I had such a good time I I don't think people should take this movie too seriously I think people should enjoy themselves and laugh and that's exactly what I did I think there are certainly a couple scenes by the end where I felt it dragging and I was like I'm a I, I mean it's a feat that Greta was able to pull off satire for two fucking hours. Like, honest to God, like, it's just impressive to me that I enjoyed the comedy as long as I did because it's just so on the nose the whole time. Um, but there were a couple of scenes by the end. Like, I think the very long, drawn-out Ken realization scene, there was, like, half of it by the end of it where I was like, okay, we've taken it. Like, now that we've come to the lovely realization, like, let's cut this and move on. And it just kept going. Um, and I don't know if that, again, was just my exhaustion with the comedy by the end of it. But I think there could have been a little bit of editing in just those last scenes. Otherwise, I had a great time. 
and I enjoyed myself and I laughed a lot and I didn't expect to like full belly laugh. But obviously as a woman, I think there is certain humor in this movie that just is going to hit in a way that makes me and I it's it's just one of those things too that I think women don't necessarily spend enough time laughing about with one another like I think we're so bogged down by the difficulties of being a woman that it's kind of nice and refreshing to just be able to like have that camaraderie together and that's as corny as it was I for maybe the only time in my life wanted that in a movie theater Um, I've never wanted that Gabe knows how much I fucking hate noise in a movie theater and it really deeply upsets me this is probably the only movie where I was like yeah I want to laugh with everyone I want to clap with everyone Mm. I'm enjoying the two girls whispering about how hilarious that thing was because they were talking about the gynecologist the day before. Like, I was fine with it simply because it's a rarity for us. So I was there for it and I enjoyed it. Um, So I think I'm going to go with a six simply because I do think there were just a little bit, some scenes that didn't need to exist. But otherwise, I had so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just on the theater point, like... I think, again, I think it was important to have, like, a loud theater, you know, like, that are really engaged with it. I'm more saying, like, I just was so distracted by some of these, like, really just bad behaviors. This one woman was with her daughter right in front of me, and she, first of all, she had her phone brightness on, like, full, uh, full blast, and she was texting the whole time. She was, like, filming it, which is, like, a huge copyright uh, (laughs) violation, Um and and then this girl next to me was like not even whispering to her mom. She was just like talking to her mom on like every single scene. And I found that kind of annoying. Um, and it was just hard, you know, at the end of the day watching it with all those irritants around, it's just kind of tough for me to be fully engaged. I do agree. I think this movie's fun. I think I never expect, I, I of course went into it expecting it to be fun. I did expect to come out of it being like, oh, wow, brilliant, by Noah Baumbach and, and Margot Robbie. And I I felt a little, by the end of it, I felt a little dull. Like, I, I liked the movie, but I didn't feel like I loved it hmm. coming out of it. And I think part of that, too, is like, it's funny throughout. I think it's, like, definitely funny. But it's not, like, hilarious throughout for me because it feels a lot a lot of times the dialogue feels very stiff. It's like joke, you tell joke, I tell joke, you tell joke, I tell joke. And it didn't really feel like a lot of like situational comedy. It was more like a lot of different like jokes are being said about like, oh, like, like, you know, on the subject of a Barbie and like how they would act. And like, I don't know. I I also have this, this is a personal problem, but I have this issue. Like I don't watch a lot of comedy television especially when the comedy television is fully sarcastic. Like I think Stephen Colbert is incredible, but I never could watch the Colbert report because every single thing he's doing is sarcasm. And it becomes hard for me to follow when something is fully sarcastic the entire time. There's not a lot of like up and down. So those are like my issues there. But again, I mean, every time that Ryan Gosling did anything, I was at the very least smiling as big as I could. Um, I love that man so fucking much. He's great. I think that there's a purpose to having soundtrack as opposed to score. And I love Mark Ronson. And it's cool that he like put this together. 
And I think some of the songs are really fun. I think the whole, you know, obviously a bad time for to be a Lizzo fan, but like the Lizzo stuff was pretty funny at the beginning. Um, I definitely didn't love all the music. I'm sorry. Like it, I thought I was going to come out like just being obsessed with the soundtrack. And like, I, I found some of it to be extremely annoying. Um, but it at least feels like this pop movie. And that like, at the very least that keeps me above, uh, above average. So I'll give it a five out of seven. I'd be curious what it'll be like on rewatch, honestly. Thank you for not including any Dua Lipa slander on this podcast. Oh, not for me, sir. I fucking love Dua Lipa. None here. Uh, Layla, I'm going to save you for last, so get ready. Oh. Gabe, talk about Oppenheimer's spectacular. Did you see my face when I thought it was me again? <laughs> I was like, oh, God. I don't have a lot of <laughs> negatives for Oppenheimer because it's like it, – uh, like we just have to repeat it. This is a three hour drama and it keeps your attention the entire way. Like, I don't think I really dipped out of any scene. Like I might've like in a, a couple lines I might've missed because my brain would turn off. But like, <clears throat> I, I was fully on board with this movie. Um, I find the, all the actors and stuff to be a little bit distracting, especially when it's like, Someone's in a role, and I'm like, "Wait, who are they supposed to be?" And like, Jack why do I know who that is? Like, I, I yeah, I was like, "How important <laughs> is this person?" Like, who How has what control is he gonna here? Play the Who's bongos doing what? in this film? I, the bongo scene is great with him. Um, twice he plays it twice. I thank you for keeping score. Um, I also fucking I know Christopher Nolan has talked about this, and he says there's a reason why this happens, but. My guy, please fix the fucking sound mixing. I can't understand your dialogue in your movies. Like, I love this score. Ludwig Göransson is one of the greatest composers of all time at this point. He's he does a three hour score. There's like almost no Mozart, moment. Bach, Ludwig Göransson. Yeah, well, film composer. Let's let's Sorry. relax yeah, a little bit. And Childish Gambino's <laughs> producer. So there we go. Um, it's such a beautiful score, but it is really tough to understand the dialogue. And I know you don't have to understand every single thing, but I certainly do want to. And I don't want to look at subtitles later because I don't want to look away from from the screen. I feel and like this is just Nolan's like way of forcing us all to watch his movies over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, but he also like, wants you like to see purposeful. it in theaters, and I can't. I can't hear. It I know in that's the why he's like, let me make a fuck ton of money on people having to rewatch this movie multiple times in theaters it's, to get what's happening. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. I also just last thing that's not great before I just talk about a couple fantastic things. I the Strauss stuff. I like that it's in this movie. The whole reveal about Louis Strauss and and what he did behind the scenes and how he was this vengeful person is really good. And I'm sure it reads really well in a book. And I loved it for getting the RDJ scenes. I just, it kept feeling like, ah, this is just Christopher Nolan wanting to put a twist in here when it didn't need to. I think it's a good way of looking at the rest of Oppenheimer's career and what happened, like, the, like this glorifying this prophet type person and then his sort of downfall and his scrutiny um, at the time that he was also scrutinizing himself. I think that's really good. It just felt a little distracting, and I, I kind of just like the Alden Ehrenreich part. It was just kind of annoying to me. 
it felt like it wasn't fitting into the movie the way I would want it to, I guess. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I low-key thought I was having a heart attack in when the lead-up to the explosion, I was, like, actually wor- – I forgot how, like, <laughs> bombs like that would work about how there would be silence. I mean, he, he literally cuts all the sound, which is fantastic. But I forgot that there's a little bit of a delayed thing. But leading up to the bomb, I was – my heartbeat was skyrocketing. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to handle this in this IMAX theater if it makes the loudest noise of all time after this. Because I, I just, like, I can't breathe. Um, my guy, Christopher Nolan, keeps tension so fucking high. And hit the work with Ludwig here to, to match a lot of, of these, like – scenes between these characters match the intensity of it while Christopher Nolan's balancing it all. Just like I felt this movie. I felt the people in this movie. I felt Oppenheimer. I felt him so fucking good. Um, I, now we're talking, I think it's still also a three hour movie. I, uh, I think I'm at a six and a half. It's way more engaging than it has any right to be. That's a good way of putting it. My brother fell asleep an hour into this movie, Layla, and he left after an hour 45 because his girlfriend didn't get it. That just makes me sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful little anecdote before you continue. Uh, yeah. I. Um, wow. I. It honestly feels a little bit shocking that I'm about to express myself the way I am about a Nolan movie, but I'm going to give this a seven. I oh. was not disengaged for one single minute of this movie. I was so in awe with the pacing that he chose to have and the three overlapping like timelines and storylines happening all at once. And it was truly one of the smartest things that he could have done. And I, and I, and I slightly disagree about the Strauss storyline because those two crescendos, like hitting the bomb going off, but then being so, um, having been so like set up to be engaged with Strauss's storyline and, and yeah. understanding what was to come kept me going. I was like, even after the bomb was done, which felt like such a big moment and we were like, okay, we did it. What's like, next? What's going on with this other I character? was like yeah. in, I was, I was still locked in at that point and there was still like a good hour to go. And I was like, I, you know, I was in it and it was just such an intelligent way to present so much information and I never felt out of it at all. Um, obviously, we both we know the score is just everything to me. It's remarkable. It's it's deafening and emotional, and it it's its own character in the movie. It adds so much to it. It, it creates so much um, of the dramaticism. It creates um, so much of the emotion. So it's so important. The sound. Oh my god, the sounds just like it's remarkable. Yeah. It's the sound editing is amazing outside of obviously his stupid dialogue shit that he always does in every movie. But um, he just uses these elements of film in just masterful ways. It's I came out of this movie and I was like, in awe, like truly, truly in awe of this, like, this totally. piece of art i just was like this is insane and on top of all of that from the beginning of the movie they had you questioning what was said to einstein and for them to end it like the, i i might regret saying this but this might be top five favorite endings of a movie ever for me like i mm. 
yeah. absolutely I was like I I was so emotional <laughs> when he finally said what he actually said to Einstein and the fact that we were waiting so long to get it and the fact that at the end of it all it was such a powerful thing to say and really encompassed everything about the point of this movie which is the, the the like scary way in which our politics and, and power hungry men take away the beauty of science from scientists and villainize them like to, to have that one line at the end to like punch mm-hmm. that way. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> it was just like I was Not I was that. absolutely like, in awe. These are the people, the, the real people that are commissioning this. And making these actions. Like, the scientists aren't making that. They're not doing the actions. Right. They're creating the things that allow these other people to do those actions. And then they get scrutinized because someone has to be a scapegoat. Sure. Absolutely. And, like, I think that's also part of the burden that you see with Oppenheimer throughout the movie. Like, his his like burden in life is that he understands and knows things and wants to explore and wants to innovate and and have answers to questions that are unanswered. Right. And I think that burden is like, it causes insanity in a lot of people. And I think the way that that can be manipulated is so easy. Right. Because to him, that's the solution to finally get the answers he's been looking for his entire life. And someone gave him the opportunity to do that. Um, Anyways, I, I was enamored. I left the theater just like I I haven't felt that excited about a movie in such a long time. So it's an easy Hell seven yeah. for me. I, I want to clarify that three hours is a lot, but I, I'd actually, I think that the movie would lose its pacing. You're right. Like it's like exhilaration without it. But I kind of wish this movie was longer than three hours because it, it does feel like at least in the first section, it just doesn't have any room to breathe. It's just yeah. going too quickly for me. It does move um, very fast. But again, like how bored would I be if it ended up being longer than that? Who knows? But Who knows? tremendous movie. A feat. And it wins. <laughs> wow. 66 to 57. Wow, you Do sexist. we hate women? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, clearly. You know, you just love bombs. <laughs> yeah. We're big into these are some very, great very, sound very bites very that we've really cartoons. provided here. From yeah, the that'll podcast. Be good. the government will love these. <laughs> yeah, government. Yeah, the FBI is listening. Hi guys. All right, thank you both for rating these movies and for proving once and for all that bombs beat Barbie. <laughs> and um, yeah, do we have any recommendations? Do we have any do. other I films do. that are out right now sure, that Gabe are Mission does. Impossible I and do. have been completely shadowed by I these do. two movies that are I do, out? Actually, he's ready. Go, yeah. Gabe, go, go. Um, first of all, a movie came out on the same day on Netflix called They Clone Tyrone with Jamie Foxx <laughs> and John Boyega and uh, Tiana Prince. I think that's her. The girl that is like uh, in Captain Marvel and stuff, Monica Rambo. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it is fucking odd and really fun. <laughs> I wasn't able to finish it last night cause it was like, it was a little late, but, um, it's so great. And in any other time, this would be like a pretty cool movie. It's like a black exploitation sci-fi film that is really funny and really weird and like really on point. And it's an incredible directorial debut. So like absolutely recommend anyone watch that. Um, it's on Netflix. Also, 
While Barbie was funny, I think the funniest movie of the year came out just a few weeks ago, and that's Theater Camp. Um, I don't necessarily think you have to see it in theaters, though I really enjoyed it in theaters because it's just so well made. But it is deeply funny in almost every single scene, and everyone is like really, really good in it. It made me love Ben Platt. It made me love Ben Platt's fiance more, the guy from uh, Booksmart. Um, and uh, and Molly Gordon is great. Everyone is so good in it. It actually made me like Jimmy Tatro. So, like, I, I don't know. Uh, and lastly, as Nick was talking about, it is really annoying to me that they decided to release this just a few weeks before Barbie and Oppenheimer and definitely should have changed it last second. But Mission Impossible 7 is a, like, stupendous action film. So I would fun. be okay if so every action fun. franchise was done and it was or, – or just – no more action movies, but they're only Mission Impossible movies for the rest of mankind. Like, <laughs> just get different actors in there. Ryan different Gosling. actors and actresses. Like, just it is. It's too entertaining. Those <laughs> movies are pure, pure excitement. And I don't care if it's not even a good plot. Those movies are so fucking. Fun. It's only half over. There's yeah. still part two. There's still part the plot two. Could wrap I can't up. believe it. Tom Cruise. It's a revelation. I'm sorry. <laughs> we got to start listening to his other views, too. Yeah. All of his opinions yeah. are good now. Um, he might have a point. I, uh, uh, as long as we're also recommending movies that are out now that are not taken over. God, I have, have not taken things over. Um, I'll recommend Talk to Me. Oh, hmm. you saw it? Yeah, it's great. Was it? Would I be really scared by it? Um... No. I hear it's not that scary. It's not that scary. It's just a solid movie that we'll probably do on this podcast with some things that I thought it would go with. Um, cool. But it's a solid horror flick. Really, really solid. Love that. Talk to and me versus it, Look Who's Talking. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's a breakout performance in there for sure. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, On the same train as these like random genres we've just worked through, Um, I... Right before copping on here, um, just watched the A24 diving, free diving documentary that's on Netflix, oh, The cool. Deepest Breath. Great documentary. And also just Whoa. bonkers that people are out there free diving like this all the time. Um, curious to see if it like becomes a contender, honestly, because it's A24, so it's like very well filmed and lovely. I don't know if they've um, had a documentary up there yet. I don't so, know. Yeah, maybe. Um, but it's, it's honestly such an interesting watch. Um, and I, I knew a lot of people that were excited about it and I didn't know anything about it. And then I just randomly decided to put it on and it was incredibly enjoyable. So, um, and also just intense. If you're someone that like gets freaked out by watching someone just plummet into the depths of the ocean, this might freak you out. Um, I will say the depths of the ocean scare the absolute shit out of me as does space. I'm pretty comfortable right in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm comfortable right here. Um, yeah. Anyways, it's it's a it's a great watch. Um, I know the docks aren't always the most fun, but it's okay. Good. Cool. All right, we have just hit for the cycle in terms of um, different genres of movies yeah. to recommend. <laughs> Gabe's gonna hit for the cycle in terms of different social medias that we're on. That's a, the sound of the bat. Yeah. Uh, we are yeah. on Instagram. We, we Look us that. up. Facing off pod. You can find out what we're gonna do next. Uh, 
We're also on Threads. Look up Facing Off Pod. <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought Threads was really going to take off. I don't know if it has. Um, X it is still out there. <laughs> like they're both out there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fucking annoying to click on X in my phone. Um, yeah, but yeah, yes, go is. follow us there. We'll have some fun ones for you guys. There's some uh, newer movies that I think we could really handle on here. That would be um, good. we can't fucking handle them. Um, but yeah, go check out those movies that we all recommended. Devolving. They're all great. That just evolved so, so deeply. <laughs> I am Knuff. You are Knuff. You are Knuff. You are all. We are all Kinaf. Kinaf. Okay. Barbie, let's go party. <laughs>